Good morning. Change is hard. The chair's hard. People don't know where to sit. I just, I just, I feel the disorientation all over the room. (laughs) (laughs) Professor sitting up here in front's like, how am I supposed to take a nap up here? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. It won't bother me. We've both been doing this a long time. We've not, we've been teaching people to sleep for a long time. <laughs> we got over it a long time ago, didn't we? We don't take it personally anymore. No, it's all good. <clears throat> well, we're talking about um, different images and metaphors for God this summer. And... Uh, We've been over some familiar territory. Um, we've talked about uh, God as father and parent and as friend. Uh, last couple of times we've talked about God as food, which seemed weird, right? Uh, Jesus talking about, I am the bread and I am the vine. Uh, you're the vine, I am the, uh, God is the, the vine dresser. Uh, God, Jesus is the vine, we're the branches. Um, Jesus is also the cup of the vine, right? He gives us uh, his, his blood to drink in the, in the Eucharist, so we had bread and wine. Um, this week, um, I've been thinking about clothes. <laughs> clothes. That's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I got started thinking about it. Um, it's always dangerous to bring up politics in this group. But it's just an aside, okay? Um, but just to be reminded that, that uh, we, we have a couple, I don't know, I can't speak for you, but I'm kind of double-minded about clothes, okay? Uh, and I'll get to back to that, but it, it reminded me that other people are double-minded about it too. I, I think it was a week, or I lose track of time during the summer, because um, I don't have to work, right? So I don't know what day it is. Um, yeah, and so I think it was a week or so ago, there was a little bit of kerfuffle in Washington, D.C. that uh, uh, Paul Ryan raised because he was talking about maybe easing the dress code in the House. I don't know if you picked up on that. There's so much kerfuffle in Washington that, you know, this hardly even reached reg- the register. Um, but it, 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 yeah, it raised an interesting conversation among a lot of people right, um, about clothes and whether they matter. Um, And again, like I say, I'm double-minded. I mean, at one level, um, there's part of me that says, you know, I don't like uh, to be judged by my clothes. I don't like other people to be judged by their clothes. To to, to think about clothes as being, it seems like a pretty superficial way of looking at people, you know, and it, it just seems trite at one level, right? But on another level, we have this sense that the train is coming. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's the sense I'm aware of right now. I'll hold the other sense for just a second. It's our weekly visit by the train. So on one level we have this sense, at least I do, I can't speak for you, that clothes don't matter. Right? I mean, we've some, I mean, some of you who've been at Muncie Church for most of your lives know that what we wear to church has changed enormously over your time. Right? Um, you're not wearing hats anymore. Uh, a lot of people don't any longer wear what used to be called your Sunday best. Right? Some of you still do. Um, there's a lot more casual look. And this is what Speaker Ryan was thinking about. He's like, well, maybe we need to update the dress code in the house uh, because it's been a long time, blah, 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 blah. Again, I, I don't want to enter into that discussion. Uh, but it raised, it, it sort of touched a chord with people because at one level, people want to say, well, you know, what people wear doesn't really represent who you are. And yet on another level, I think all of us have had experiences where what we wear does matter in some kind of way that's hard to articulate. Am I right about that? Exactly. Yes. Um, I mean, and there's, interesting that there's all kinds of research that backs this up. Um, and it works both ways. On the one hand, we all have a sense that the way we get treated by other people sometimes gets influenced by what we're wearing. Whether we like it or not, it's just the case. Right? There's a lot of research that shows business women, if they dress more like a man, are taken more seriously. Okay? I'm not condoning that. I'm just saying that's what the research shows. Okay? And it's, it's not close. I mean, it, it's very strong research. This is the case. Right? Um, and, and also, broader than that, I mean, it's the case that if, you know, if you're a professional and if you dress professionally, then you're taken more seriously, okay? And we've all had that experience, right? Where we felt like that somehow the way we were dressed had an influence one way or the other with how we were taken. So we have a sense that our, that our clothes has an effect on other people. But it's also a, a sense that it has an effect on us who are wearing the clothes, which is actually more interesting to me. It's not just that my clothes influence other people but also, there's really interesting research that shows that our clothes influence the way we think about ourselves and actually the way we perform. That's the really crazy part. This is the newest research, right? Um, it's actually, there's a term for it now in, uh, in social psychology called enclothed cognition. Enclothed, E-N-C-L-O-T, enclothed cognition. And what, and I'll just give you, there's no charge for this this morning, by the way. We, we, we are going to get to the scripture, but I, I, I want you to show you, because you all look puzzled, like we're talking about clothes today. Why are we doing this? I'm going to get there, really, I am. When do you go back to work? Yeah. <laughs> See, I don't have anybody to teach during the summer, so you're my captive audience. So... Yeah, um, for good or ill, you're, you're mine. Um, so in clothed cognition, here's what they found out, is that by wearing certain kinds of clothes, people actually 
are more attentive and careful in certain kinds of ways. So here's the experiment they, they did. They gave a bunch of uh, students who didn't know anything about the experiment, they gave them all white coats. Kind of looked like a lab coat. Okay, like a doctor, exactly. Um, and they tested that, and then they gave them uh, certain cognition tests for attention, where they had to pay a lot of detailed attention. Okay. The ones who were told that they were wearing doctor's coats were 50% more attentive than the ones who were told they had painter's smocks on. <laughs> they scored 50% higher on the tests. They made 50% fewer mistakes in attention because of what they thought was expected of them. Isn't that fascinating? That's really fascinating. So, I mean, it's not... I mean, it makes you wonder. I mean, it's caused me to pause and think, well, maybe I've been too quick. You know, to think, you know, well, clothes don't matter. Um, and again, I think there's, I think there's a, ca a case for both things. I think you have to sort of, you know, part of my mind wants everything to be neat and tidy, and I, I don't like to have to hold two things in tension. But I think there are two things that are holding in tension. I don't want to just judge somebody on their clothes. I do think there's something about that superficial and not fair to them. But it's also the case that sometimes what I'm wearing makes a difference in how I feel and how I'm treated. And it's, it's, how I, it's the part about how, I'm, how I feel about myself that I'm most fascinated in. And I can think about all examples from the course of my life where this is true, and I bet you can too. Um, isn't it interesting uh, when you have grandchildren or when we were children or you had your own children, um, children love to dress up. Right? To try on a different... Because we have a sense that when you put on clothes, you're trying on a different identity. Even just for a moment. And there's something about that that's gratifying. That's interesting. To, because we know to put on some clothes, to put on something, is to, is to step into a different identity. <coughs> and there's something gratifying about that. And it sometimes makes a huge difference. Um, I can remember when I was in college. Um, I know it's hard to believe, but I used to run track and cross country. <laughs> and I can still remember, I was thinking about this yesterday, and I actually, I mean, I could, this sounds bizarre, but I can remember when I used to put on my, my uniform to run, I felt faster. <laughs> no, I mean it, right? When I put on that Butler jersey, I, I felt faster. Now, I'm sure I wasn't. Right? <laughs> sure didn't help me. But I, I felt faster. Right? Um, those of you who've ever been in an academic institution and see us you know, walk in an academic procession with these funny old medieval bathrobes on, that's what we call them. Uh, they look ridiculous. Right? And I'm sure they, they look ridiculous to you. But I have to admit, when I'm walking in a processional, at least for a few minutes, I'm proud to be a teacher, right? I'm not always proud to be a teacher, right? But at least for a few minutes, I am. I'm reminded of this really high calling that I have, right? That I don't often remember when I'm dressed like this, which is the way I usually uh, dress. Although I should say, when I first started at Milligan 25 years ago, 
Um, I was younger, by 25 years. <laughs> and uh, I quickly learned that I had to wear a tie on campus. I may have told you this story before. Um, because the first week I was there, 25 years ago next month, uh, I walked into the, the personnel office to get my paperwork for my paycheck. And they said, can I help you? Are you, are you here for work study? <laughs> Which is what you ask a student, right? I mean, it's like, no, I actually work here. I thought, I need to wear a tie, <laughs> right? So I wore a tie for the first couple of years so I wouldn't be mistaken for a mere student, <laughs> right? <laughs> right, and so I, I had to tell myself and other people, like, you know, I'm, I'm not just one of you, right? Just for myself, I just needed to know that. So sometimes just dressing up makes the difference. Now, so with all that as the background, this sort of double-mindedness about clothes, let's remind ourselves some important stories of Scripture and some important admonitions in Scripture around clothes that a lot of us have heard, um, but maybe we've not really pondered them enough to think about what these might say about our daily life in Christ. Well, you, we all know that one of the first stories in the Bible is about being without clothes and not knowing we were without clothes, right? Because before there were clothes, you didn't know you were without clothes, to state the obvious, right? I mean, Adam and Eve didn't know they were naked, right? Um, but then they clothed themselves, right? Um, but then the most beautiful part, the part we often forget, is that before God expels them from the garden, God makes clothes for them. Right? God makes clothes for them. And the, the passage in Genesis doesn't tell us what God made them of. Scholars and rabbis and people have often thought maybe they were animal skins or something a little more substantive than leaves, which, you know, it's not terribly effective, right? Um, but think about that. I mean, think about the tenderness of that. That, I mean, God could have just said, get out of the garden and don't come back. You're on your own now. Like, have a good life or not. Right? But God, in, God works within our, even within our limited nature, in our sinfulness. God doesn't abandon us. God stitches, I kind of imagine God stitches together these clothes for Adam and Eve. Uh, in their vulnerability, we're in the year of vulnerability, just to remind you, right? In their vulnerability, God stitches together clothes to protect them. Like what, what a beautiful act of mercy that we often miss in the story of what feels like deep failure on the part of humanity. And yet God doesn't give up on us. God offers us this, this tenderness there. And then at the other end of the story, right, we have this vision of the last days 
when all the saints are gathered in this great wedding feast of the Lamb and they all come in these white robes that are been made white in the blood of the Lamb. Right? So at both ends of the story, there's clothing that can't be understood apart from God. Right? Clothing that God gave them at the end. Clothing at the end these white garments that we have that, that God has made white, not by our having the white, the right detergent, right? But by God's action. And as many of you know, this, this beautiful act is, is remembered in our, in our baptism. And we'll come back to that because the passage we want to focus on today focuses on that. So this notion of clothes, what's that have to do with God? Well, as we'll come to see, Paul has uh, this notion that was pretty common in his day where he uses the image of clothes to talk about putting on certain character traits of God, right? Almost like a garment. And Paul didn't come up with that image or metaphor. It was a pretty common rhetorical device of his day. You can see it maybe most clearly in Colossians 3, if you want to turn to that. Um, there's other places where Paul talks this way. He talks about it in Romans and also in, in Galatians. But Colossians, he has... Uh, a, a pretty long list. But he says, he talks in the, in the beginning of chapter 3 about um, putting off, get rid of all things such as anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices, right? It's like the old person, the old humanity has been stripped off like a garment, right? It's been taken off, which is being renewed in knowledge. And as God's chosen ones, this is verse 12, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with what? Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Right? So Paul's got this image of us stripping off. He talks about this other places, right? He talks about uh, putting off, stripping off the old Adam, right? The old man, the old humanity, and, and putting on Christ. And that's, that's the really uh, new thing that Paul is talking about here. Uh, and we see this in, Ephesians, uh, in Galatians chapter 3. In Galatians chapter 3. A very similar passage in some ways. But this comes, you know, what's interesting to me about this is we often turn to Galatians 3 when we're reading the passage about... Uh, in Christ, there is no Jew or Greek, 
There's no slave or free. There's no male or female for all of you are one in Christ. It's a beautiful passage. That's 328. But what's interesting is in that 327, what actually leads into that is, are these words. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Right? As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ, there is no longer. It's, it's because of you, because we've been clothed in Christ that there is no male or female, Jew or Greek, slave or free. It's because these kind of clothes have made, have some way shaped our identity in such a way that the ways that we've been taught to think about our identity are not as important as they used to be. They're just displaced. Now, as we said before, it wasn't as though Paul thought you stopped becoming male or female, you, you stopped, you were no longer a slave, or that, you know, you, you were no longer slave or free. No, he knew those things were still there, but those weren't the primary identity markers because you have been clothed with Christ. Now, clothes, clothes do, can do two different things. I mean, clothes, on the one hand, can differentiate us, can, can actually create division. Right, we know this. Um, sometimes people don't feel welcome because they don't have the right kind of clothes. Which is one of the good reasons why we've thought a little bit at Muncie over the years about you know, what we wear. Because we didn't want to unintentionally send a message to people, well, you aren't welcome here because you can't dress like us. Right? Uh, we don't want to be exclusive. Right? We don't want to be a country club that says if you don't have a jacket, you can't come. Right? You don't want to be that. Um, so what we know clothes can exclude, right? Whether we mean them to or not, they can. Um, but clothes can also include, right? Clothes can sometimes erase distinctions. Um, this is at least one of the, the purposes behind uh, school uniforms, right? Uh, my wife Kim teaches at St. Mary's for the last dozen years or so, and they wear uniforms. And part of the reason they wear uniforms is one, to make it a little easier on parents in the morning, uh, getting their children dressed for school. You don't have arguments about what you're wearing because you're wearing the uniform. <laughs> uh, but more importantly, it's to encourage young boys and girls who are trying to think of themselves as being shaped by God not to make quick snap judgments about each other on the basis of what they're wearing, which is just endemic in American culture, right? And children learn it very early, as you know. You know this from your own children, from your grandchildren, how quickly they learn uh, to judge other people and feel judged by other people by what they're wearing. So the uniform can somehow, in a small way, it doesn't make it all the problems go away, but at least gives one less reason to make snap judgments about people. And, and here's what Paul's saying. 
is that we all who have been baptized have put on this same thing. Right? We got school uniforms, church. <laughs> right? We got school uniforms. Uh, we have put on Christ. Okay? We have put on Christ. Now, what's, what I've been thinking about this week, what's intrigued me about this, that I have to admit I never really thought that hard about. That's why I like teaching these weird things in the summer, because like, I hadn't thought about that this hard either. So, I mean, this is, if y'all look puzzled, I was puzzled as I started to think about it too, is, you know, how, how would my daily life change? How might I change if, when I was getting up in the morning, um, I did what all of you do, and that is, at some point, I put on my clothes for the day, right? What if I was conscious of the fact that I'm called like you're called to put on Christ for the day, right? Um, Knowing two things. One, that, that ought to feel different. <laughs> For heaven's sakes, if putting on a, a Butler track jersey can make me feel faster, then surely putting on Christ in the morning ought to have an effect on the way I think about who I'm called to be that day. And it probably ought to have an effect on what people ought to expect of me. Right? It ought to run both ways. Um, because, you know, one of the things that clothes do sometimes is they remind us of who someone represents. Um, I was thinking about the, the tradition we have in American society in the, in the judicial uh, for, for judges to wear pretty much consistently black robes, um, almost universally whether at the state or the federal level. It's a pretty simple black robe. There's a few exceptions, I found. Like the Mer Maryland State of Appeals wears red. No one really knows why. Um, but for the most part, it's a black robe. And no one knows exactly where it started. We think it came from England. Um, but it's always, but England often had it a little bit more elaborate, but it's a pretty simple black robe now. And uh, it's, it's not dictated anywhere that they have to do this. It's just a long tradition. Um, but you have a sense. I mean, I don't know how many times you've come before a judge. I'm not asking for example. <laughs> right? But I think the reason... I mean, one of the reasons, given all that we've said about clothes, one of the reasons... It's a good thing for the, for the judge to wear something like a robe that makes he or she distinguishable as a judge is because the judge doesn't just represent him or herself. In fact, that's the last thing that they represent. Right? They're intended to represent the rule of law and justice in our society, which is bigger than them. Right? And they're reminded of that when they put on that robe. 
I read an article by Sandra Day O'Connor who was talking about this tradition of wearing black robes. And she says most people don't know this, but there's a tradition in the Supreme Court that uh, before they enter, they get a, a five minute warning, uh, the justices do before they go in to hear argument, oral argument. And they have, all have assistance, and when they get the five minute warning, they all get their robes on, and then they go around and they shake hands with each justice. Um, to remind themselves that even though they have deep disagreements, right, about a lot of things, they're still doing the same task, an important task, and they're reminding themselves who they are and what they've been called to do. I thought that was interesting. But, but, but it, notice it's part of, it's not separate from them putting on the robe. It's part of that tradition. You may or may not know that in the ancient Christian liturgy, the ritual of baptism, um, early on when it was often adults, the tradition was when you went down into the baptismal waters, you were stripped naked. You were stripped of all your clothes. And then when you came up out of the water, a white stole, a white garment was put on you. Okay? Precisely for this reason. Uh, because to remind us that the, the old had died, the old humanity of us, the old self had died, and that we were putting on Christ. That we had a new identity now. We had a new identity. And it was a visible, concrete way of doing that. There are things we've lost that uh, we haven't just lost the rich, we've lost the, the meaning behind it, and, and, and we're the poorer for it, I think. Um, you can imagine how vivid that must have been, right? Talk about vulnerability. There's not much more vivid, there's not much that's more vulnerable than being naked, in my experience. That's why we all have these weird dreams, right? About being naked in public. It's like, that's horrible, right? It doesn't get any better as you age, I, I, I find. It's just more horrifying for everyone. But to be, to be clothed with Christ, right? Um, what would it mean? Um, Maybe even have a, I thought about maybe I should put a little three by five card by my wardrobe. So when I open it up every morning and am fretting over which of my four shirts I should wear <laughs> to go to work, that I linger just long enough to ask, you know, maybe the most important thing is not whether this shirt or that shirt, but am I willing to be reminded that I have been clothed with Christ. 
And that should affect the way that I live today. That should affect what people should expect from me today. Because as Paul says, you know, I am not my own. You are not your own. You've been bought with a price, right? Uh, I'm not my own. I'm not just uh, a freelancer out here doing my own thing. I'm not, and you aren't either. Uh, we have been clothed with Christ. So whatever you choose to wear on Sunday morning, you know, we're not going to keep you out of Muncie or out of the Virgil Anderson Young Adult Sunday School class. <laughs> You're still going to be welcome here. But what, what would it really mean to put on Christ? Well, I suspect, you know, part of what Paul was talking about there in, in Colossians about putting on things like compassion and kindness, right? Compi compassion and kindness and humility and meekness and patience and above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And maybe it also calls us, maybe the last thing, just as an aside, I was also thinking about clothes. And clothes are everywhere. It's really interesting. Once you, it's like once you hear a new word, you hear it all over the place. Once you start thinking about clothes in the Bible, it's everywhere. Um, but it seems not maybe inconsequential that not only does God clothe us at the beginning and clothe us at the end and call us to be clothed in Christ in between, but it's also pretty clear that early on Christians recognized pretty clearly that part of what it meant to be a follower of Jesus was to clothe others. Which is easy to forget, because, but it's, again, it's a very basic human need. Right? Um, so whether you're looking at the book of James, where the writer says, you know, what's this about? You know, there's someone before you who's, who's naked and hungry, and you say, peace to you, be filled, be well. It's like, what's that? James says, what's that about? How, how can you do that? Or Jesus is talking in that famous passage in Matthew 25, right? About whether I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. Right? <coughs> Isn't that interesting? Jesus says, you clothed me. We've been talking about God clothing us. And here, Jesus says, the Son of Man will say, you know, you clothe me. And the people say, you know what? We don't remember clothing you at all. Like, when did that happen? And Jesus says, as you know, you know, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. 
And again, notice he doesn't say, when you did it to others, it was like you did it to me. No, he says, when you did it to others, you did it to me. And so this quote things is kind of interesting. We talked about in the year of vulnerability, the fact that God comes to us as vulnerable. That Jesus often comes to us in the guise of the stranger, the one who's most vulnerable. And will we offer clothes to the one who's vulnerable? So not only do we need to be clothed, we've been called to clothe others. So it's an interesting way in which this theme of clothing has been, if you will, woven into the whole stream, the whole narrative of Scripture. And I think it's a, I don't, I've been fascinated and I've been uh, encouraged and convicted this past week as I've been thinking about this um, to take this image a lot more seriously than I ever have. Um, and to really have the courage to pray um, each day this week. Maybe I encourage you to do the same with me. Um, when I'm getting dressed this week to say, gracious God, clothe me and my brothers and sisters. Uh, clothe us in Christ this day. And may May we feel a difference by being so clothed. May we live out that compassion and humility and kindness that reflect your character. And may the world, in some sense, be able to see that we're more than just us. <laughs> right? That it's not, it's not us that the world sees. That somehow they see Christ in us. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for your word, which continues to both encourage and convict. We give you thanks for these images that arrest and remind and admonish and encourage us to be all that you've called us to be. We give you thanks for your, your mercy in clothing us in our vulnerability from the very beginning. We give you thanks for the promise of clothes washed in the precious blood of Jesus at the end. And we give you thanks for your spirit who empowers us to pray and to desire and to live out this beautiful image of being clothed in Christ. We pray that we might live in to those clothes, that we might in some way find comfort and consolation in those clothes but most importantly, may they be an avenue for your work in our lives as we seek to be your faithful embodied witness in the world this day and every day. We pray this 
through Christ. Amen. Amen.